Hey everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Friday, March 3rd. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Welcome back, everybody. What's up? Murder all time. Gosh. Murder murders. <laughs> what a day yesterday was. Eminem. Murder murders. <laughs> I like it. Well, first, thanks to everybody. I mean, we had a lot of people weighing in and yes. obviously a lot of interest from the audience uh, about this trial and uh, and here in its closing days, closing uh, hours, uh, even more interest than there has uh, has been. And so we're going to give you wall-to-wall Murdoch this morning. Yeah. yeah. Let, let and me. I have the results for that Which, poll, the, by the way. I think yeah. we need to leave. We, I think we need to need to let the poll go all the way through, letting people hear the defense closing I, and and uh, I. Well, the polls are been voted on that that what these people want, but you have the poll for that one. So I actually went and counted it on um, on the page life, and the other page because every time I shared it, people voted underneath, and you won't believe what the results are. Well, just from what I saw, it was very, very heavily right. weighted to guilty. But, but 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 the the problem with that is there were you're right there was maybe two percent that was not guilty, but there was about twenty five percent that said I know he's guilty, but they didn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, then that means not, not guilty, guilty is what that, they're voting for. But y'all weren't in the courtroom. Telling you, Woody Overton's knowledge of the courtroom is going to come back and well, and I don't know how many people uh, got a deep dive into everything that happened yesterday, which obviously we're going to take together right now. But uh, that that could have impacted them in a uh, in a very meaningful way. You about to get schooled on Eminem murder all murders, (laughs) Eminem. And guess what? In another week, this should all be over with. (laughs) Be an afterthought. Yeah. Right. Then yeah. Except for I'm getting two cases of beer. Actually, the, the, since Shinerbach hadn't reached out to us to sponsor us, I want to change it to Cane Bait, Cane Break, oh, which is by Parish mm-hmm. Brewing Company out of Louisiana. See, I think it should be. That's a deal because I, I know where that be, is. Uh, dollar based, and it's whatever I want to order on Drizzly. I try to get you so, some Don Julio. So whatever I want to order on Drizzly, I'll get my Don Julio. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, Drizzly you can rocks, get your, uh, your Shinerbach and com. Jim can get his Coors Light or <laughs> Down right whatever, he's, whatever he's drinking. How convenient, man. I, uh, whoever invented that is a genius. Creighton Waters came into the courtroom yesterday, I think, understanding that he was behind by a touchdown on the scoreboard based upon some things the defense had done in the final days of the trial. And he came in and like a quarterback with two minutes left down seven points, I think he drove his team down the field and, uh, uh, and led a great drive and, and scored. Uh, there's a lot that there's a lot that, that he did. And we're going to go through uh, a bunch of what was, uh, uh, what was covered yesterday. Um, but he, the only criticism I would give him is I think it could have ended 45 minutes to an hour earlier than it did. I thought that last 45 to an hour was more or less redundant that he had a jury that had already been out at the Moselle site in the morning and had come back and had been through a three plus hour uh, closing from him. They had to be pretty fatigued at that point. And whenever, uh, 
whenever you hear somebody continually apologizing for the length of their presentation in whatever context it is, right. you know they are sensing from the audience that the audience is fatigued. And he was doing a lot of apologizing there in the last hour because he could sense that they were checking out uh, mentally. And so I wish he would have, I wish he would have brought it to a conclusion uh, faster than he did. But uh, but he delivered a lot of meat during most of his time yesterday. Well, he did, um, and I agree with you that uh, he could have probably shortened that a little bit. Uh, there was a lot to cover. There's no doubt about it. And look, when you feel like you're down by a touchdown, uh, you're going to want to take probably a little more time to push your case than is necessary just because you feel like you're down. And he did a few things specifically in his summation that I thought were genius. Uh, uh, and I'm going to give you one of those right now, which is there was a point dur- during his summation where he used this term, and I'm going to quote him. He was in the midst of explaining how uh, Miss Murdoch uh was running towards the shooter, which they were able to determine. And he said, she was running to her baby. She heard that shot and was running to her baby when she got mowed down by the only person that we have conclusive proof was at the scene just minutes before. Um, the strong term and all that, and all you mothers out there can, can relate to this, and fathers as well, but... Uh, mothers especially because we're talking about a female here when he used the term she was running to her baby every mother in that courtroom every mother in the jury and every mother who heard that on tv was probably like i get it i would have done the same thing right you don't even care about the shooter at that point i thought that was strong i thought he was appealing to the emotion of this predominantly female jury yeah it it was well played well, I thought I thought his presentation was uh, was really well organized. He basically got in front of the uh, of the jury and said, "We are going to walk you through motive. We're going to walk you through means. We're going to walk you through opportunity, and then we're going to walk you through consciousness of guilt and guilty conduct following the crimes." And so he. He set the stage very early with the audience, with the jury, that that's what this closing was going to be. It was going to be a review of his motive, and I thought he was really powerful in delivering the motive. And some things came became clearer there that uh, that I wasn't clear on until he uh, until he did that. Um, same thing with uh, uh, with means. Same thing with opportunity. Relying on a lot of uh, this uh, forensic evidence, this uh, mobile phone data, and all of that to uh, really crystallize what the opportunity was. And, uh, and then his documentation using a lot of video uh, uh, evidence as well to show what his, uh, his post-murder uh, behavior was. And, and, you know, basically he said, look, this was a Ponzi scheme. This is a guy who made some bad land deals, developed a bad drug habit, was 
trying to overcome that. And for a decade, he was on this hamster wheel where he would pay one thing off by accessing money another way. And so he was robbing, he was stealing, he was doing whatever necessary to keep the Ponzi scheme going. And throughout that, he was lying to family, he was lying to his business partners, he was lying to clients he represented, he was lying to everyone he had to lie to in order to keep the scheme going. And if he's capable of looking all of those people in the eyes and telling the kind of lies that he did to keep, to, to sustain his time uh, on that hamster wheel, why would you think that he would be doing anything other than lying in this courtroom to keep the hamster wheel going again? I thought that was, I thought that was really powerful. And, 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 and he said, look, there was only one person who had the motive, the means, the opportunity, and whose guilty conduct after the murders uh, uh, shows that they committed the crime. I mean, it's it. it okay, he was he was strong. Uh, and and look, a lot of this today that you're going to hear, y'all, I'm playing devil's advocate on. What I'm doing is stepping completely away from the situation and and taking my personal thoughts out of it, and basically uh, giving you a whole nother view on that, as if I were a juror and I didn't know anything about the case. And one thing I will tell you is, uh, in my opinion, the prosecution is wrong he was not the only one to have a motive uh there is a lot of motive that lies with look if my daughter died in a boating accident because a guy was drunk and killed her i've got a strong motive to go kill him there's no doubt about it and uh there are I'm not, of course, I have no direct knowledge of that, nor do I think that necessarily happened, but that is a motive. And actually, in my opinion, it's a stronger motive uh, that somebody from the outside did it that had a relationship with the girl that was killed. That is is a strong motive to do that. Um, As a matter of fact, I would almost bet you that the police probably investigated that. And they investigated that, I'm sure, because they said, Here's a guy who would have a reason to kill her, or here's a guy who would have a reason to pay somebody to, to kill him, uh, excuse me. So for them to say he was the only one with a motive, I think was a stretch. I think they had to do it, and I agree with it uh, relative to what they're going to have to say. But honestly, I think throughout this entire case, motive was really the hardest thing to I struggled with. Because he was in a lot of financial debt, but y'all, everybody seems to forget this dude was making million-dollar bonuses. His bonuses on average were over a million dollars a year. He was only three-point-something million dollars in debt. That's pretty easy to pay when you make a million dollars a year. Um, Velocity of money, which Mike just talked about, yes, when you're spending at a high rate and you're, you're gathering a lot of debt, you have to keep that going. 
you know, people have been in situations where they have credit cards they've run up so high they got to take another credit card to make a payment just to make the minimum payment on the card they have. Rob it, and Peter, PayPal. That's right, and and eventually that credit card shuts off, and that's when you're in a bind, or you run it up to its limit and you can't pay the other credit card and you get in a bind. It's that situation on a huge scale, but I struggle with the amount of money this guy was making. It was in the amount of property he owned. He wasn't in as bad a financial position, I think, as they were painting it to be. Now he was stealing from everybody looked, on God's green earth. It, it looks pretty dire to me. Um, <laughs> the, well, but, I mean, it, you know, all his debt combined was three point four million, according to the, what I saw. It, let me tell you this real quick: the, uh, he made one point five. Forget it. You said motive. But one thing prosecution does not have to prove is motive. No, they, they don't. Have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, and they'll say that. And and probably when uh, he gets up and redresses whatever defense is going to say today in their closing arguments, if he says anything about motive, he's like, "My job is not to prove motive; it's to prove beyond a reasonable doubt." I'm just telling you. I know. No, I I agree. I agree that yeah. I agree. But if I'm a juror, it, who are you to tell me it what you have to it, prove it, to me? It, I may want to know the motive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You always want to know the motive. Right. Sometimes you don't know it. Right. And you can't prove it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This I is a perfect case. I certainly of that. think that the. I mean, it, it checks off a lot of boxes for him. The boy being dead, he he's not responsible. Uh, you know, on the lawsuit part, the, the it, certainly. He would have had, like y'all talked about, the of the land insurance or homeowners insurance for the maid allegedly falls. We know she was murdered, uh, but it's not proven yet. But the he had got to pay out of some type. Plus, he's free of them too, and he might have had a squeeze well, on the side. The the big thing uh, Waters talked about this gathering storm. That was the metaphor he used. That this was a a storm gathering around him. And Mark Tinsley, who was the attorney hired by the Beach family to uh, uh, the Mallory Beach, the girl who died in the 2019 boating accident, was hired by her family. And he was seeking a settlement with, uh, with Murdaugh. Murdaugh had one big problem, which is after the whole Satterfield uh, situation and settlement, his insurance company dropped him. So mm-hmm. he had no coverage. Mm-hmm. So he had nobody who was going to backstop him in any deal with Mallory Beach's family. Let me just finish. He told Tinsley, maybe I can scrounge a million dollars together. Tinsley filed a, uh, a motion to compel that was the, the, hearing was granted, not the motion, but the hearing to hear it out. And that hearing was ironically scheduled for June 10th, 2021. Now, if it had been granted the motion to compel, that would have allowed for forensic accountants to come in and do a complete review of Alex's total financial picture, which would have exposed all of his financial crimes. And so it's, there's 
there's money as a practical uh, matter. Uh, you know, were there were there enough assets to uh, sell off to possibly cover the debts and come out? Uh, yeah, maybe that would have that would have destroyed the family's reputation and you know all of those kinds of things. So it's trying to avoid something like that at all costs. But but bigger than that. He had a line in the sand date that if that hearing went the wrong way, which I don't know, uh, but call it a 50% chance it goes, it went the wrong way. Then once that happened, there was a hundred percent chance of him being completely undressed publicly. I agree. And, and I will say the, the lawyer from Mallory beach, uh, Totally impressed me. Uh, uh, he's very tough uh, and strong speaking, uh, and he's seeking justice for his clients. And I thought he came off on the stand uh, beautifully. To your point, if I'm recalling correctly, the insurance for that he had would not cover watercraft. That was the the issue. He had a policy that was canceled, and then he got another policy uh, that was like almost like an umbrella policy for his entire property. And the problem was it did not cover watercraft, um, for sure. It, uh, well, this was a big item yesterday, and well, he, he in effect didn't have insurance. You're right; he had no umbrella coverage. But he his story was: I assumed my my insurance to cover my property also cover my watercraft. Um, but he didn't have insurance covering his property. Oh yeah, he did. They talked about it. They talked about calling the. They called the company, and the company said, uh, "We don't cover boating. We don't cover watercraft." Oh. And okay. things but, like that. But so he may have had a basic homeowners. He was yeah, yeah, that's that. what I'm saying. Okay, but 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 he didn't have a policy that would pay out on a he didn't. death I'm, suit. I'm and, agreeing with you. I what I'm saying is his reasoning for all of that was, and he's lying. I mean, he's a lawyer; he would have known this. But Alex Murdahl's story was well. I assumed. The policy I had, basically, like my homeowner's policy, would cover that watercraft. Uh, it did not. So uh, this lawyer also spoke of a situation where he was at a party. Well, it was a it was a meeting of lawyers. Lawyers conference. And uh, this is something that takes place every year in in that state. And Alec Murdoch actually approached him, and essentially tried to threaten him, you know, basically intimidate him. And he said on the stand, I, I got tickled. He said, uh, he tried to intimidate me, but he, yeah, I wasn't intimidated. Now, Alec Murdoch is a big guy. Y'all he, he, in this, this gentleman was probably average height, five ten, something like that. He's six, four. Uh, and at that time he had some weight to him. He was, he was probably all of two sixty or so. And, uh, so, I'm sure he tried to physically intimidate him as well, but this guy wasn't biting. Very tough lawyer and very impressive on the stand, in my opinion. Yeah, no, he he absolutely was. And so, you know, think about it. The June 10th date is looming over him. The pressure is getting intense. If 
the motion to compel is granted, then he is fully exposed. In the aftermath of the murders, all of the pressure recedes. He's now a victim. The community's embracing him. His own law firm is backing off. Everybody's rallying around him, right? Um, he gets the hey, hey. he gets the seven hundred fifty grand from uh, from Palmetto. So they, as far as the, uh, the, the his firm knows, uh, everything is res- is resolved and restored. And so you know all of the pressure that was piling up on him greatly receded immediately after the murders. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Breaking news. Just in, a juror was excused due to improper communication in the Murdoch murder trial Thursday, which marked the 28th day. It could likely be the last day before the jury deliberations begin. Another one says a juror in the Murdoch trial has been removed due to improper conduct, according to Judge Clifton Newman. Happened three minutes ago. So what happened? I read in that his case? text. I didn't. I didn't actually speak to him. There's, I mean, yeah. that's okay, isn't it? I, they, that's what it was, y'all. They, the juror was reaching out to Real Life Real Crime Daily for <laughs> Jim and, and Mike's uh, take on it because they were confused. So what? What? Um, so what happens now yeah. is the one of the alternate. alternates, uh, the first alternate up, will which they've sat there the whole time and everything else. I'm sure on appeal because uh, I know I'm going to win this and he's guilty as fuck. The uh, but they'll say that, you know, that would be raised on appeal anyway. Let's just hope a couple more don't go through. Uh, and it's worth noting that there's only a couple alternates left. They've already had to, one guy got sick and had to be brought to the hospital just yesterday uh, after they returned from Moselle and uh, they, they had to plug in an alternate, I believe. I don't know how many alternates they had. I don't want to speculate, I but I four, I heard on six. yeah I heard on the news they were down to like two alternates left. Yeah, if they get if that happens, then the whole shit show is going to happen. Oh my god! Let's hope trial. nothing else happens. They're so, right here at the end. Sorry, cut you off. I knew you want to know that, Mike. Yeah, that's uh, that is. Oh, here it is. This morning. A juror was removed from the Murdoch trial for discussing the case and expressing an opinion to multiple non-juror third parties. The juror was removed, and closing arguments began. And with Jim Griffin and they shared his opinion. What was his opinion? 
Yeah. They said, I'm uh, guilty as fuck. Fire off the short bus. That's what he said. Not really. Well, there you go. You can only get breaking news on real life. Did they tell you who, uh, how that came about? Like who motioned for his dismissal or her dismissal? I don't know, but we're going to find out. This was only three minutes ago. That'll be interesting. Very interesting. So as the prosecutor moved on, uh, in this trial, y'all, another thing that, you know, I've had kind of a problem with since the beginning is the focus on the financial crimes that, look, Alec Murdoch, Alec, as his friends call him, was a total piece of shit. And nobody uh, on this show for sure would debate that. Um, and he did a lot of financial tomfoolery to a lot of people that was just absolutely awful and horrible and disgusting. But I felt like throughout this case, the prosecution focused on it way too much. There was one particular day in which uh, the news channel, whichever one it was counted the amount of times the word murder was said. And then they counted the amount of times financial or allusion to to alluding to financial crimes was discussed. And it was like throughout that whole day, four times the word murder came out and 400 times uh, financial information was discussed. It, It definitely needed to be discussed. I felt like it was important to establish that he was desperate. And uh, I just felt like it was almost the entire basis of the case. And for me, I don't I don't see enough of a relation between that and murdering your your child and your wife. Um, So I felt like it was almost having the opposite effect for me in that. Why do is this the only evidence you have? Is it a lot of people, a lot of money? And and, uh, he stole from people because to me, that doesn't equal murder. Um. What's your thoughts, guys? Well, I think he, I think he had to, uh, to do that not just to establish the financial crimes, but to establish that lying to people close to him, lying to family, lying to business partners, lying to uh, clients that that he became uh, obsessed. With his self-interest, he uh, uh, he didn't care about another human being on earth, and he would do whatever the hell he needed to do in the moment to continue uh, to live and present himself publicly in the way that he wanted to present himself. And you know, I think they did an excellent job explaining to the jury how someone with uh, with Alex Alex deep legal expertise could choreograph all of this in his how he thought through all of this he's a brilliant guy who understands the law who you know worked through uh, uh, all of this and you know one of the things 
in here that I think this trial, knocking on on wood, uh, uh, that in the aftermath it will be remembered for is I think the most key piece of evidence is his son Paul speaking from the grave because the fact that the evidence puts him at the kennels five minutes before the time of death and the fact that he denied immediately that night in the days after as late as August in an interview. And in that interview uh, in August, he was told that Paul's friend Rogan thought he heard him when he was on the phone with Paul, when Paul was at the kennel. So he, he is asked numerous times by police whether he was there. He denied having been there, right? And then the police are not able to get, because I guess you've got to go through a shit ton of red tape before you can get access to someone's locked uh, mobile phone. Especially but, someone that's deceased. Um, so it wasn't until April of 22 that police get Paul's phone unlocked and they find the video, which was not sent. Okay. It never, it never sent to, uh, uh, to Rogan. Uh, but that video from, uh, 844, uh, PM clearly has Alex's voice in the video. And so once that came out, he had to address it and he and he came up with what he always comes up with, a bullshit story to try and cover uh, this thing he didn't plan on uh, on having to address. This this I mean, this is his son speaking from the grave with this video is my father was there and and now he's you know, he's doing a combination of you know, uh, the paranoia from uh, his opioids and his distrust of SLED. And those were the two reasons he didn't tell. And I thought, again, Waters did a great job yesterday of saying the most important thing you could have told police at any point during this, if you're an innocent man, is I was there just a few minutes before. And you didn't. And the only reason you changed your story is because we got caught. We got caught. But go ahead, Woody. You go. You go ahead because I have a totally different train of thought. On, okay, on what y'all were saying about about the evidence and the jury. Okay, so I'm going to give you, and I went back and forth on this point, and uh, Mike makes a, a good point here, and and so did the prosecutor, and it did create a huge issue. They focused on this lie for probably six hours one day in this uh, when they had Murdoch on the stand, uh, desperately trying to get Murdoch to explain this away, which which he could not. However, I'm going to give you. Just a couple of things he said about that lie. Um, on the stand, he said that he had lied and he had feared that acknowledging he was at the crime scene immediately before the murders would lead police to suspect he was the killer. Now, initially, 
I was like, duh. Duh. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I could see somebody, I could see somebody panicking and saying, oh, I wasn't there. You know, then, then, and this is where I have a problem with Murdoch in this statement. Then I'm remembered I'm a dad. And I, and I don't even want to put myself in that position, but if I were in any sort of position like that, I really wouldn't care what kind of light that put me in or if they wanted to investigate me, who gives a shit? I didn't certainly have anything to do with this, and I would have told the truth. So I could see the initial. I could even see him saying that to him and then saying, I, I was there. I, I panicked for a second. You know, waiting for years after that and having to get caught doing it, that's a big point. I agree with you. Let me throw y'all for a loop, okay? 30 years of being involved in jury trials, which you're not seeing, but you're saying it, but you're not seeing and you're not thinking about this. Everything that's been said, the lies, the pill use, the stealing, da 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 da, da all this shit is for one reason. Because even though it, they say it's the jury, your peers, there's not 12 people in that box or now with the alternate in that box, there are Alex Murdoch's peers. They are regular people, citizens who, first of all, don't make millions of dollars a year, even if they're stealing or not, to not even ever been involved in one uh, murder case, much less having, you know, Someone you hired kill you, and they didn't, they didn't go through, and all this. All these things are doing is shocking. Regular John Q, who's sitting on that jury, and at the end of the day, when they get back there, they're gonna be like, "Holy fuck! How in the you know? Yes, he's a piece of shit. That is going to be the biggest part where they're gonna think that in their brains they're gonna be like, "There's no way logically." This guy didn't do it. But it's going to be all these things. That prosecutors throwing all shit at the wall. Hoping all of you used to be in pain. Let's say there's a kid painting the wall. And they don't have a brush. They're just slinging paint at the wall and hoping some of the stick and cover up. I'm telling you, those jurors are going to make him pay for it. They, all the, everything that's been said it's, they're hoping there's one little dart that sticks in, that sticks in the mind, that shocks their senses so hard they'd be like, fuck that, he's guilty. I'm just telling you my, my point. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think he's actually throwing shit against the wall. I think he is very artfully wait, wait. placing brick yeah, 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 on yeah, top yeah. of brick yeah, wait, wait, on top I, of brick. That, that may have been a bad metaphor. What I'm, what I'm saying, is, yeah, yes, he's trying to build a strong brick wall. What I'm saying is everything, every single thing that they said that's negative about him, and he even gets up there and tries to, and did a pretty good job for John Q. Public, that he gets out in front of us and said, yeah, I'm guilty of that, I'm guilty of that, I'm guilty of that. But still, when they go back in that jury room and they're sitting around that table, they're going to be like, fuck me. I've never heard any crazy shit like this in my life. Totality of circumstances, 
they're going to come back and find me guilty. Well, let's 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 play. We're in that jury room. Yeah. Okay. Because what what would we have to think happened? What's the scenario here that's different than Alex having done this? What, what? Oh, there's several. Okay. Are you saying to to get a not guilty? Yeah. Well, like like. Who? El- how else could this have happened? Because well, there, are, there are some really key people. I mean, for, well, the family's guns are used, right? No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. They've never proved that was a family's gun. They proved the family owned similar guns. What? What? what but the guns that are missing. They've never found the guns. I know, but listen, listen. Yeah, I understand where you come from. You got to understand what I just said. At the end of the day, when they take everything else, they, just because the guns are missing, they, they, they talked about his favorite Benelli shotgun and the, the short rifle, da da da. They just happened to go missing. Him and his homie just shot, uh, you know, last year, whatever it may be. That, okay, they, they in didn't the spring, prove it. In but, the spring, not right, last year. Okay, they didn't prove it, but guess what? That jury, they take it at totality of circumstances, they're going to be like, hmm. Is this a coincidence just like everything else? I think not. Guilty. I understand. But I think the better way to ask the question you used to ask, Mike, was each juror to go around. You know, you go around a room and you say, what problems do you have with the case? The first thing they what are, is, is, you know, assuming somebody was saying, I don't think he did it. Okay. Well, what, what, why don't you think he did it? What are the problems with that? I think what will come up is the fact that there were two guns. I'm sorry, that's not practical in my mind. That doesn't, I know that the prosecution tried to say, well, he's a lawyer and he's smart and he knew if he had two guns that it would throw people off as if there was one person. Yes, hindsight is twenty twenty, and that's certainly, but is someone really going to have that frame of mind if they're about to kill their wife and child I don't know. Yeah, they, I, they, I if they're gonna kill wife and child, they planned it, and he 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 went to his mama's house and did all this shit. That's planned, man. It, 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 if you think I'm not two guns, I, I fuck yeah, I'd be smart enough to do it. That that certainly would have thrown law enforcement for the loop, and then it's the reason we're talking about it now. The dude's smart if he's nothing else, and uh, and, 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 and I don't dispute that the 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 fact that those specific type of weapons are missing. Actually, you're right. It doesn't prove anything. Guess what? If I'm prosecuted, when I get done today, I'm going to address that point. I'm going to say there is no such thing as this many coincidences. Well, and it's not. And he's smart enough. He learned from his past mistake of getting Joe Blow to shoot him, and he, and he didn't kill him. He'd had time enough to plan it out. He goes to his mom's afterwards, comes back, makes the 911 call, and gets Fucked up on saying and checked the pulse ahead of time or didn't check it ahead of time. It's one point five six. Whatever the fuck. He's smart. Guess what? There is no such thing as a perfect crime, and he isn't getting away with it. But let's talk about this for a second. Where are the guns? Fuck if I, I I'm at swim. Someone who isn't me ever had an involvement in a case that involved a gun. I could promise you. That pistol is in 17 different pieces and 17 different bodies of water and eight different parishes. But he didn't have time for that. Wait. wait, wait. We didn't have time you, that you, night the, for the, that, the, but he had time. Hey, but no. But wait, I mean, wait, 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 wait. 
if I'm planning it out, I already know that I got the two weapons there and and I'm going to kill them, whether I get rid of them on the way to my mom's house or whatever it may be, or I'm going to have a place that I can run out in the woods and, and hide, be outside the crime scene tape, hide them in and go back and get them at a later date and destroy them. You better believe if he's smart enough to, to think about having two weapons, he already knew how he's going to get rid of the weapons. He ain't going down to the pawn shop and pawn them. Mike, you know? do we know the time frame between where they, you know, they, they pretty much nailed down the time in which they were killed to a, a degree of certainty within 10 minutes, let's say. Um, do they know a time frame? No, I think, I think they know what time the phone was. That, was it? They know both phones right. locked dead at 849 something. Okay. And they know the video was taken at 844 something. Like five minutes so before. they So about a five minute time frame. They they have him on location within five minutes. And, okay. But, but not so, only that, it takes a it takes a, a minute or so for those phones to actually lock off from the last time that they were used. So the, the it's shorter than a five minute period. So what's important to me to know is if if you can nail that down between five minutes one way or the other, what was the time that the nine one one call was made? That was at well. The nine one one call isn't made until after he comes back from after which ten is, something, it's ten, ten something at yeah, night. They, so there's after, an hour after he goes to his mother. He it, he kills him. I'm damn sure taking those weapons with me, and I'm that I know what rivers I'm going to throw them in, and I'm not throwing them in the same one. And he had hours to get rid of shit, but and I, change clothes and hose down and and do everything. No, they went else. through the entire I was a, timeline it, of the night. I okay. was under the impression that there was only like a ten, like he arrived hours. at his mother's at a certain time, and there was only a few minutes in between when he could have committed the murders and when his mother saw him, uh, and and that's. Seven minutes or something. Well, here's here's the deal on that too. Because they have on store, right, right, right. But the deal on that is, homie's got strobes if he needs to. He ain't worried about getting stopped. And first of all, he's going to clean up before he drives to his mama's house, right? Then he's going to get rid of the weapons and whatever that time frame is that between he got to his mama's house and got back. They know when we call nine one one, right? Yeah. So he he um. So the video is taken at eight forty four. At eight forty nine oh one, Paul's phone locks for good. At eight forty nine thirty one, Maggie's phone locks for good. So we know Alice was just, was there just five minutes before, right? He uh, his phone. So Alex's phone was not down at the kennel, right? So right. that's another thing. Is well, he said that was. Normal, whatever. That was, they didn't well, get a whatever. good cell service on that property, and so if he well, was going the, to the, the camera, other two, yeah, they, they had saying what he said. Wife and a son, wife and a son had cell service okay. there. And so the at nine oh three, his phone starts to show movement again. Two hundred and eighty three steps are taken by him in a couple minute period around nine oh three. So that's. Scrambling around the, right. the scrambling to clean up, scrambling doing whatever, and then getting that, out to that his is mom's also house. a concern. 
Yes. Yeah, and then getting in the route to his mama's house where she said he was there for X amount of time. But they proved that he's lying about that also. He wasn't there for that length of time. And then he has to come back and make the 911 calls. Well, and, the other thing is if he's there and he immediately after the video goes back to the house, they clocked – the average speed of the golf cart back to the house. And it's a four to five minute trip, Mm -hmm. right? So he would have been back at the main house at 849 at the time of the murders. You don't hear those shots. Right. And let me tell you you this, the, I'm not going, if I'm smart enough to bring two, two different weapons, I'm smart enough to already know where I'm going to get cleaned up at. I ain't cleaning up in my house where they can send a crime scene and use luminol and everything else. I'm a, it may be in the dog kennel where the hose was moved. It may be wherever my shit is planned out. You Let, don't kill your wife and your kid. Bring two different weapons drive to your mama's house, do all this shit. It was all planned out. The problem is there is no such thing as a perfect crime. Let me answer this question though for, for Mike, because they answered that question regarding the hearing. They actually performed a test where they shot similar weapons from the crime scene with someone inside the house that was measuring decibels. I've done when you're thing. inside the house, it only measured 30 decibels. So it's very possible he wouldn't have heard that if he was in the house. When you're outside the house, it measured over 100 decibels. So if he was outside the house, he absolutely would have heard it. But even the experts that they brought on said if you're inside the house, it would have been very hard to hear those shots. And Apparently I'm, it's well I'm insulated you, or whatever. The people in the jury are calling bullshit on that because some of them are at least from the country. I have a place in the country and even though it's a muffled sound, I know when somebody's shooting on one of the surrounding properties, which could be up to 200 acres away. Uh, I think that depends on how insulated the house is. Okay, so so 30 decibels so is just, 30 decibels. Just give me your feedback on this uh, on this I, on this time. Okay, so at 9:07, he leaves Moselle mm-hmm. to go to Almeida. He's clocked at 74 miles an hour yep. on his way to Almeida. Shit, Woody goes 80. Okay. <laughs> Actually, uh, he's, last time I got pulled over, I was talking to you. He's <laughs> right. exhibiting uh, call behavior that's unlike his, uh, his normal phone records. He doesn't do this normally where he is dialing out like crazy. Right, building his alibi. So he's making calls to Chris Wilson. He's calling Maggie. He's calling Paul. He's making all of these phone calls while he's on his way to Almeida. He gets to Almeida at 922. He makes it in 15 minutes. Now, he's going there to see his... At 9 o'clock at night. Okay, he's going there to and see How his, old is she? She's got to be in her 80s. Like, so uh, he gets there at 922, but... He takes 197 steps between 922 and 932 before he enters 
the house. Probably so, so got he, rid of clothes so and everything else. So he gets else. there. He's going in a rush late at night to go see some to go see his, uh, you know, his 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 mother. Right. But he takes 197 steps and stays outside for 10 minutes before he does it. He gets stashed as shit then. Okay. Um, And then at. Well, fuck that. I wouldn't drive all I wouldn't drive all that shit in my car. I'd have got rid of it on the way. But whatever. Well, he had he had had to to clean off. He had to clean the tarp. Uh, right, right. Slash raincoat, whatever, um, uh, and he does he does all of that, and he is back at Moselle at ten oh one. And what was the distance back at Moselle at ten oh one? And it's a it was fifteen minutes to get there, so assume something like fifteen minutes to get back. That means he spent all of ten minutes. As mom inside, and then they say he, he spent a half hour yeah. or some shit like that. You what? Well, and he tried to get yeah. the tried to get the caretaker to say it was longer, and she, so no one agreed with totality of circumstances with his timeline there. And then when he when he gets back uh, to Moselle, he arrives at the kennel at ten oh five fifty seven. So this would be when he supposedly finds the bodies for the first time. 10.05.57. He tells numerous people who testified that he checked and and he even turned Paul over, and that's when Paul's cell phone supposedly popped out of his pocket, but he checked both of them to see if they were breathing. His 911 call was made at 10.06.14. Within, within, say, he didn't have time, so, is what they're saying, to check the pulses and everything. It was like 1.25 seconds from his arrival to the time he called. Well, it's, nine, nine, it's 19 seconds. 19 seconds 19 from his arrival seconds. to the call. You have to get out of your vehicle. That's three seconds. You have to go and see what you see. And then you go go check both of them and even roll your son over and see the cell phone come out in 19 seconds. Then you call a 911 all in 19 seconds? No. He got out. He called 911 within 19 seconds because he already knew the carnage he was going to see. And there were discrepancies between what he told uh, uh, some friends and what he told police he did. And it goes back to totality of circumstances. All these people on the jury, regular people, they're going to put it all together like the piece of the puzzle or the brick wall. It'd be what it'd be. And as someone playing devil's advocate on that, I would say you get out of a truck and you see your wife, your son literally with his head blown just about clean off. You see your wife also killed, shot five times with a uh, assault rifle. Um, My first statement to that would be, I don't know what I did. My mind was fucked. And... How could anybody expect somebody to be able to recall these intricate details of when I did this and when I did that at a crime scene when I've got my entire, just about you my just entire family dead? You just made your own case. They can't expect him to do it. He did it, and he lied continuously about it because he's a fucking murderer. You're absolutely right. Nobody would remember that. That would have thrown the biggest red flag for me as an investigator. If he could tell me, oh, I did this and I did this, and, and then I could go back and verify on the timelines, he, a regular person wouldn't. 
I'd be sitting there throwing up. Oh yeah, know, I mean, my I, I, kiss I, and everything else. Block it, it out totally. It, you you can't. The, right. The he did it the, because he's fucking lying, and that's why you should have been on the prosecution. Because <laughs> hey, that's a great they, point. Motherfuckers wouldn't want they me to do didn't this case. hammer yeah. that. Yeah. And what Woody said is actually a great point. Nobody what you said was a great point. Yeah. I just readdressed but, it for you. But you tied that together, and the prosecution should have done that. How can you remember all of that? But they took it the other direction. They said he can remember everything except for this particular part of it. And this is a guy that they kept using the term, had a photographic memory, which he came back with, I've never said that. You said that. Well, but they bucketed. A number, they bucketed that with he couldn't remember being at the kennel at eight forty four. He couldn't. Remember, it wasn't just that particular uh, moment. It was numerous moments that were key moments throughout. That all of a sudden his uh, his memory for detail and the photographic memory, whatever, escaped him at these at these critical moments. But look, what human being wouldn't? collapse in the face of that right. wouldn't take a long time to be composed enough to make a 911 right i mean right. there's right I, I i don't i don't even know i i've never met those people in my life if i came up on that scene i would panic let me tell you and something. i'm just a this is outside john q citizen this, i'm gonna give you all a scenario it is a true scenario all my years all my years of training experience working death scenes Everything, all of being shot at, being on SWAT team, being in the military, all my high-pressure situations and having to make instant split-second decisions. I'm going to go back. Courtney Coco's murder trial. When I got back, I was walking into my hotel room, and I'd asked them to clean my room that day. I never get them to do it the first two days I'm there. And when I left out, I said, things off. I need my room clean today. Went with the family after court to whatever text roadhouse is in the park lot of my hotel and had like two beers and ordered dinner and went back to my room, get my shit, open the key, walk in the room. I look to my left. I see towels. Um, the bathroom obviously wasn't clean. I see towels hanging and kind of over the corner on a stack. I'm looking in my room. I always get two double beds. When I travel out of town, I keep my suitcase on one. I had my recording equipment there, and but there was pizza boxes from night four, uh, or you know, the two days empty trash from the days four. And I look at the bed that I sleep in, and it's the covers are pulled up, but it's not made up. It's got big lumps in it and shit, like you know, just hurriedly pull the covers up. I walk up to the bed. I'm still not thinking. Thing. I'm getting undressed. I got my wings. I'm about to lay down and eat and, and get some sleep. I pull back the covers. And I see that big wad of pubic hairs right on my thing. You know what I did? All my training experience in the world, I freaked the fuck out. I grabbed that shit and I was like, ugh, and went through it in the toilet. I didn't flush it, thank God. But I'm just saying, the, the, I mean, yeah, you go, you're, you go, you're, your mind I, would have I, told you don't touch it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he's, but I'm, a, I'm also, I mean, I, in retrospect, I shouldn't have touched it or did whatever, but I freaked out. And but what do you think this dude should have done when he gets there? You're going to freak out. You're not calling 911 within 19 seconds. You're going to touch your low ends. You're going to cry. You're going to throw up. You're going to fall on your knees. You're going to do whatever. 
I agree happen. with that. It didn't happen. Three outfit changes. Yeah. That day. Right. I I could see the one if he if he had uh blood and it was family's blood on his clothing, whether he was guilty or innocent, I can see him not wanting to have that on his clothes. There are pictures of him in three different shirts from that day. The first shirt. I used to know a not, guy that changed several times a day. Okay, but he didn't lose his shirt, did he? Right. Not, they, 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 no. they never found the shirt. Yeah. yeah, that's questionable. Is it? <laughs> I mean, again, hey, I agree with you. That, the regular that's people a sitting on the jury going like, shit. The, uh, I'll tell you what. The like when I go to my place in the woods and I get there, you know, Thursday and Friday and whenever it is, I like that secret thing I went out of town for. So I showed up at this place, nicely dressed in my country place, nicely dressed. My boys are there at the bar, uh, the headquarters is what I call it. And they said, look at him all cleaned up and clean shaven and dressed nice. And my other buddy said, wait till you see him on Monday when he leaves. I might not change clothes all weekend. Right. And this dude changed in three days and 12 jury members. They're going to be like, uh, that's some bullshit. And you can't find one of the items of clothes. That is a great point. So let me, let me just bring up, uh, one more issue that I had. And I think this is the strongest, uh, as far as the defense, this is their strongest defense they would have for the entire the defense. Would have loved case. to have you as a juror. They would. Have, they have a fault to keep you on the jury. Well, well, I think he's doing devil's advocate. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. playing devil's advocate here. I yeah, mean, no, no I, I meant to tell you this the other day. Yeah, when we were recording, I was like, he would be the perfect defense juror. Well, because I question because everything. everything. I yes, I'm, I'm not saying as a negative. No, no, I, I get it. I get it. Well, I'm, I'm, but I'm totally unbiased, and I'm stepping out of everything and just saying what yeah. makes sense. Um, here's the biggest problem I have with the whole case that I think the defense has a little bit of something to hang their hat on. The, I'm like, wait, y'all can't see me, but I'm actually straightening up right now in the chair because I'm so ready to let this out because it bothers me a lot. I'm ready for this where, where Paul Murdahl was shot, y'all, this is a very, very small area. You have a long arm rifle, a shotgun, as a matter of fact. Now, Murdall, let me make my case. Murdall, they had tons of shotguns. Here's the problem with shotguns. When you shoot someone with a shotgun, there's no way to tie it to a specific shotgun because it's a shell that comes out, and the BBs are actually what hits the person that's being shot. The shell doesn't come out. Just the, or the, uh, Well, it ejects out. wide. Yeah. And, uh, and BBs come out. The shell stays in. The shell stays in. You can eject it. Correct. Um, but there's no way with a AR-15, for example, if you fire it, there will be bores inside that bullet, and those bores can be matched to that specific weapon. Striations. Striation marks. Striations like how Maggie's was if, matched if, to uh, yes. stuff on the shooting. So let range. me finish this point. So that was one of the issues was that it could have been any one of the shotguns they have. As a matter of fact, they brought up the fact that a few of them look like they had been fired recently. They have residue in them and stuff like that. And Murdoch's response to that was, hey, my, my son wasn't the greatest at cleaning his guns. Now, that makes sense. I mean, I know a lot of people that suck about cleaning their guns. Cleaning so, that, yeah. So, I mean, that he had a good point there. 
um, especially a younger guy probably. Now, that being said, this area was like a closet that this all took place in. Um, it is definitely possible, but very impractical that this six foot four guy, in my opinion, was the only shooter. And that is, he would have had to really be in an awkward position to, to do this. They, they actually tried to demonstrate this in the way that, uh, that, Paul Murdoch was shot the second time. You would have had to have almost been bent in this weird angle if you were uh, Murdoch to make that shot. Um, As a matter of fact, both the experts, and yes, they're experts for the defense, but both these experts who are very highly respected folks in in that community stated it is so impractical, it's almost outside the realm of possibility that that would have happened like that they had bb stuck in the ceiling um there was very little blowback which usually when you are in close distance there's much more blowback than how can you say there's blowback that you know blowbacks and firearm firearms never recovered secondly well it's on the person away yeah, but he had all the time up. in the world but, changed. But you have it, it, bone, it, it, you and, have BBs coming back on you. You have you, injuries. You have fucking water hose to wash it off. But what about the shot? And, and, and the shot, sawed off barrel again or a nail in position. Uh, everything can be explained away. I mean, the, the, yeah, the, it, everything can be it's explained. It's definitely in the realm and, of possibility. It's just impractical. Look at Lee Harvey Oswald and the magic bullet theory. I'm going to tell you something. You think Lee Harvey Oswald did that himself? Fuck no, he didn't do it himself. <laughs> the the grassy the, the, uh, the the fact is, and I'm Charlie Watson, we talked about this on Bloody Angola's yes, episode yesterday mm-hmm. on uh, about Will Hayden, Sons of Guns. Yeah, he is one of the ones that told me. He said, "Woody, bullets or shells or whatever, they can say whatever they want to. They never forensically do." what they're supposed to do. Okay. And I know they prove it with jail and lasers and all this shit now, but he said, if it, if it, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. Physics is, is imperfect. And right. you know, they, they yeah. say you can, an elephant can hang from the tail, uh, uh, you know, can take its tail and tie it around a daisy from a mountain and physically there's certain physical formulas you can run. That'll say that daisy won't come out of the ground, but Wow. That's right. That's a little physics yeah, education one, but, for you. But, do you know how to jack off an elephant? <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Oh my god! <laughs> good one. Oh good. Um, <laughs> I wish y'all. Could, we should do video so y'all can see that. No, you gonna leave that one in probably. <laughs> I, I, will I, uh, I do a another show with uh, that's called the Death of Journalism with a journalist by the name of John Ziegler, and, and John is someone Shameless who has plug. who has. That's uh, bloody. Uh, Please give us a listen. We get, a, uh, John we get is, it back. <laughs> John is someone who has uh, lost all faith in humanity. He believes that human beings are not good, that uh, that basically uh, they run around all day following their self-interest and they'll do almost anything to protect their self-interest. And some are worse than others. We... Uh, we did a series together investigating what happened and what didn't happen at 
uh, at Penn State in the uh, the Penn State scandal. And one of the things that uh, that we saw in that case was expert witnesses for hire. That yeah. uh, that you're able to go out and approach people yeah. and tell those people what you actually want them to find in their investigation, and then pay them to find that in their investigation, and then have them come out and tell you exact or tell a jury exactly what you want uh, them to tell a jury. The I found myself very impacted by the defense uh, forensic uh, witnesses last week. Is that yeah, Friday yeah, last yeah. week? And uh, and I, I sort of blew off when uh, the prosecution asked him, well, "How much did you get paid?" You know, and and you know, one of the guys was, uh, I think, was going to make somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars for having uh, shown up, stayed at a nice hotel, and you know, done an hour on the on the witness stand. Not a not a bad little little payday, right? And lots of people do this for a living, and some do it. I do a lot of consulting. I know you do, Woody, but but we. We do it with a uh, with a, uh, sense, a sense of morality, a sense of morality right. and, and just answering questions honestly as we They're, as we know a, a situation. Others will take advantage, sell of, their ass, and right. I've seen that. There's good and bad in every profession. And you're right. Before I started the six time award winning real life real crime, since we just all, <laughs> all, all got plug in. <laughs> I was, I traveled the country as a defense expert, but I show up and I read the case file and I would tell him, mm, you better plead this motherfucker out. Or I would take it to the court in, in trial and, and testify because I didn't sell myself out, right? We were talking about the morality issue. Yeah. So now you, we all got to plug in. Well, you, I'm, you're, you're, you're the defense and, uh, and Alec, Alex is. I'd have told him to try to plead this motherfucker out. Let me, let me just say this one thing. Sorry. Before Mikey get into this, and that is the two-time nominated local leaders of the podcast. Oh my God, guys! I also do consulting for podcasts. Thank yes, you very that's much. True. You do. <laughs> hey, also Envision Podcast Studio, where Real Life Real Crime, the six-time award, yes, uh, is produced and and Envision Podcast, Envision Podcast Studio, Norte. My mother's been having a rough time, and we recently started a GoFundMe page for her. Okay, we gotta stop this case. Right. Um, we gotta stop you, this you, fucking case because I'm about to flip this table. Be like Jesus my temple and flip this table. I I was I found myself impacted in the moment by uh, by those expert witnesses, and then I thought the rebuttal was maybe a bit stronger than their actual testimony, and uh, and so I don't. I, I don't see anything other than what we always see, which is that you don't know the makeup of the jury, truly, what's in their hearts, what's in their minds, what makes what makes these individual people tick. Yep. And we're always at the mercy of that. Like, I, I seriously wonder, will we at some point in time – you know, go to some kind of artificial intelligence to play the role of of juries or something. Because uh, unfortunately, I did ask uh, uh, ChatGPT if uh, Alex Murdoch had murdered his wife and son, and did not get a. Uh, yes, a straight... who? ChatGPT. You don't. You 
AI. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. This, I just come in here. I ask this. I ask this guy. And what do you want me to ask? Yeah, I have I, that. I, I have I, that same A. That's actually has, pretty cool. Has Woody Overton actually won six? Actually, six people choice podcast. Six two for best male host in the world. Two for best drama storytelling. Choice. One for best true crime. And one okay, that's for too much. I can't ask him that much. Uh, nominated like okay, many so more. Let's see what he says. Livingston Paris Chamber says, Business of the Year twenty twenty two. Local. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> no, Woody did not win any People's Choice podcast awards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's a lot of shit. So, yeah, no. you, you what you're talking about the jurors? Listen to this. No, no, what you don't know about this is that they it's all based on uh, old data. 20, 20, yeah, it, it, there's no uh, data from the last couple of years in yeah, then, in this thing. But that's, that's why I wouldn't tell me whether the, Alex that app fucking committed. sucks. It well, it's not uh, bad for uh, writing uh, a a paper if you're a 15 year old. Hey, so what, real quick, I know I interrupt you a lot. Uh, that's what I do. But you talk about juries. The it's it's not perfect, but it's the best system in the world. But check this out. More breaking news, y'all. The so back to the, the juror that was removed this morning. We told you about earlier this hour. Um, since one of the 12 jurors in the double murder trial of Alex Murdoch was removed Thursday morning and replaced with an alternate after circuit court judge Clifton Newman said she engaged in improper conversations outside the courtroom. Newman said he spoke with the juror, identified as number 785, and she denied having discussed the case. But then two other people were interviewed about their contact with the juror, and they waffled on the nature and the extent of the contact. The juror ultimately spoke with three people about the case, but not extensively, Newman said he learned, although it evolved given her opinion regarding evidence received. That bitch would have uh, voted not guilty. See what I'm saying? She would have been a judge and lied. If, if, so you're right. You, you never know who's on the jury and what they're thinking and everything else. But if she's, you're going to sit there and lie to a judge? Uh-huh. And in the most famous murder trial in, in, in mis, most recent Since years. Since OJ, for sure. Right? And so the, the I bet the defense is all like, oh, don't excuse her. Don't excuse her. Okay. So, folks, we just gave you the prosecution's summation and what we thought of that summation actually and played a little bit of uh deliberation i guess that could be our game for today we played deliberation and if we were deliberating as these jurors uh still up and actually what's transpiring right now as we record this is the defense's side of this case so we'll be bringing you that and, and maybe even a verdict on our can, can I say right? one other and thing? Sure. the prosecution's redress to the defense. What's going on right now with the defense? Assuming they redress, so they, they will, they I'm they sure. Will. But I, I know we have a bunch. They of, don't have to. A bunch of listeners in Australia and Canada, and so I don't know if this is true in Australia and Canada, but in the United States, in almost every city of any size now across the country, one of the biggest advertising categories is from personal injury attorneys. They are on every billboard. They're uh, at every radio stop set. They're on every television break. They become uh, personalities within the particular city, right? Murdaugh, well, and I, 
haven't seen his billboards or actually saw a TV ad he did with one of the people he stole he stole yeah, money right. from, oh, which no is way. unbelievable. But yeah. uh, but this guy was a was that kind of a face around town. So if you're in this area, you know, think about this as you know, if Morris Bart or. Uh, uh, my dad was the first lawyer to ever advertise on television in the state of Louisiana, right. and the board came after him hard because of the ethics. And, and he did classic commercials, Morris Bar, and all of them came out. My dad paved the way for that. And when I was a kid growing up, they were like, your last name is Overton? Lee Overton must be your daddy. One call. One call. That's all. That's all. Yeah, Morris Bar. So these jurors <laughs> – this guy is the is the you know uh, whatever the slo- all these guys have slogans. That was right, your dad's right. uh, you know the Dudley DeBosier guys. What's there? My dad's was it's look. Long, we it's given a lot of people some free my, advertising. My dad's here. was he's, he's long since retired. Was it? It's the only fair way. It's the only, okay, so I wonder how that plays into these jurors. It's it's. If this was it's happening in the, in this area, you know, Spencer Callahan is right, on. Right. Is, uh, <laughs> how is that? How is that playing out in the jury? It only takes one, and I I think sane people can sit around a table, look at this enormous pile of circumstantial evidence, look at this human being who obviously had uh, an evil core and a and put himself above every other human on the planet he was willing to lie cheat steal and i certainly believe murder to protect his self-interest or what he thought was in his self-interest but is Should the jury gonna find or 12 people gonna find the strength to guess what to say that we're gonna find out and i would i would absolutely Pay the money if, if it's not guilty for the cases or by y'all's cases. If I never have to talk about this shit again, other than guilty, not guilty, the the you know the defense summation. It's everything has been said that can be said. We you know there's seven top, and I, you can cut this out or not. Uh, I don't care. There's seven top 100 podcasts in true crime alone all de- dedicated all named after the Murdoch case seven oh no this is this has every, everybody in the world is 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 riding this horse and we're not riding a horse we're, t- we're telling you the facts but everybody in the world and it's it can only be said so much it's done We'll have one more with the defense and the prosecution's redress and and the guilty, not guilty. The case has as much public interest as any case in in recent memory. He's a murdering piece of shit. Well, and and and, I've dealt with those people for 30 years and he's going to get what's coming to him. Well, and a lot of that interest is, you know, seeing a, a family, an individual of prominence and wealth and status and privilege fall from grace in such a dramatic, yeah, yeah. a dramatic yeah, well, way. It's because he's an asshole. Well, and I think yeah. the other should, should he be found guilty? One thing that'll certainly stick with me is it. that were it not for his son speaking from the grave, uh, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, and, and you know, by many accounts, uh, not to talk bad of the, the dearly departed, but, uh, 
he wasn't a great human being uh, right. himself and right. did some pretty shitty things. Well, but but, from but, the free, right? uh, but his uh, but his last his last living move basically of of making that video ends up being and the thing that proves if his dad I'm was the there. prosecutor after the defense gets done doing what they're doing right now, I would close with that video and I would say just what you said, listen to this son, voice from the grave, telling you daddy was there. There you have it, folks. Daddy smoked me like a pack of cools. Can't wait to bring you all the defense side, maybe even the verdict side of the Murdoch trial. And the redress, because that's whatever defense says the prosecution is going to have an answer for. There you go. Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Of Real Life Real Crime Daily, peace. Show business. Show business.